Welcome to NGA Notable Lectures, a podcast offering a deeper understanding of all things artistic. Undoubtedly the greatest Renaissance artist from Estonia, Mikael Sitow, circa 1469 to 1525, was born in Raval, now Tallinn, in present-day Estonia, quite likely studied in Bruges with Hans Memling, and worked at the courts of renowned European royals such as King Ferdinand of Aragon and Queen Isabella of Castile. Organized by the Art Museum of Estonia, Tallinn, and the National Gallery of Art, the exhibition Mikhail Sitow, Estonian painter at the courts of Renaissance Europe, marks the occasion of the centennial of the Estonian Republic in 2018. On view at the gallery from January 28th through May 13th, 2018, the exhibition represents most of Sitow's small oeuvre through some 20 works. In this lecture, held on March 11th, John Hand examines Sitow's art in a broader context, including his relationship to Netherlandish contemporaries and a possible collaboration with Juan de Flandes. 2018 is the 100th anniversary of the founding of the Republic of Estonia. Uh, and Mikhail Sitow is the finest and most important artist to come out of Estonia in the Renaissance. And this exhibition is part of the centenary celebration. Uh, a little background. In 2013, there was a meeting in Tallinn uh, between the staff of the Art Museum and an advisory committee of Northern Renaissance scholars, basically my colleagues. And a partner uh, for the show, Sitow Exhibition, was needed, and they recommended asking us for two reasons. One, we have two of Sitow's finest pictures, and two, we have a lot of experience, uh, not to mention influence, in organizing international exhibitions. And as you can see, we enthusiastically said yes. This is the first monographic exhibition devoted to Mikhail Sitow. It is not a large show. There are only 21 paintings. And the latest book on his works accepts only 13 as autograph. Uh, Mikhail Sitow was born in Raval, which now called Tallinn, probably in 1469. His father, Klavis van der Sitow, and most, was most likely his first teacher, and unfortunately nothing survives from these earliest years. Uh, I love maps. Tallinn is up here on the southern edge of the Gulf of Finland, and then Helsinki is on the other side in Finland, on the northern side. The Estonian language is related to Finnish. And so when they were under Russian domination, they could still watch Finnish television. And uh, that's important. And, uh, <clears throat> and also it's related to Hungarian, but not to Baltic languages like Latvian and Lithuanian. In large part because of its location, Tallinn was an important uh, prosperous member of the Hanseatic League. Uh, the Hanseatic League was a confederation of merchants, uh, their guilds, and the cities they lived in that banded together to dominate trade on land and on sea in the Baltic from the late Middle Ages and well into the 16th century. The Hansa extended from German cities like uh, Cologne around here, uh, Lübeck in the north of Germany, uh, and Bruges, Bruges is a major, a major Hanseatic city, as is London, uh, and north into Bergen, Stockholm, up here, Norway, Sweden, Novgorod in Russia, 
And the word Hansa, which means convoy, uh, actually it survives, as you can imagine now that I tell you, in the German airline Lufthansa. Uh, cloth from England and the Netherlands was a major import, while fur, timber, and wax or resin uh, and grain was a major export from the Hansa states south. It's worth noting that much of the wood used by Netherlandish artists in the 15th and 16th century was Baltic oak. So the people that study wood biology have two, two charts for both Western European and, and Baltic Polish oak trees. In 1484, Sitow emigrated to Bruges to study painting. Uh, the name of his teacher is not recorded. However, it is generally believed that he was taught by Hans Memling, who was the leading artist in Bruges. Consequently, the earliest picture in this show is uh, this Madonna and Child from the Museum of Fine Arts in Budapest, which is attributed to Sitow. But as you can see, it follows almost exactly this Madonna and Child in the Metropolitan Museum in New York, which is by an artist from the circle of Hans Memling. And it was not just religious works, but also Memling's portraits that that are an important example. In the exhibition, we have moved uh, Memling's portrait of a man with an arrow from its gallery uh, into the exhibition. It comes from about 1475, and, uh, and it is, like a lot of Memling's work, it's both realistic and flattering at the same time. Uh, and perhaps because, because of this, Memling was a big hit with the Italians. <laughs> There's also, when we cleaned it, when you take a look, there is a fly that appeared. He's hard to find, he or she is hard to find, but it's there. Although it is very small, it's six and a half by five inches, this young man in a red cap in the Detroit Institute of Arts has a power that belies its size and certainly it holds its own as the cover of the catalog. It also is considered an early work uh, to the 1490s. The red cap that he wears is significant. Uh, red caps are sometimes worn by artists and in particular, uh, St. Luke, who is the patron saint of artists, as well as being a physician, and as portrayed by, or shown by Roger van der Weyden in a painting in Boston, uh, when he's portraying the Virgin, he is wearing a red cap. Also, you are instructed to go to Gallery 35 in the West Building, but not right now, please, uh, and look at the raising of the cross triptych by a German artist working in Nuremberg at the end, or working at the end of the 15th century. And you'll find on the left wing at the background, this guy is wearing a red hat. And he's also the one person in the painting who's looking straight out at you. Uh, so again, he could be an artist or possibly the donor. Because of its small size and somewhat informal dress, uh, it's, this might be what the Germans call a Freundschaftsportrait, that is a friendship portrait, uh, where the artist and the sitter are, it's more than just a commission, they're friends. It's also been suggested that this painting might be a self-portrait. And despite the absolute lack of evidence, I like the idea, uh, especially given this rather forthright glance out at us, the, the viewer. 
By virtue of his training, his style, and mastery of the technique of painting in oil, uh, Michael, Mikhail Sittau is considered a Netherlandish artist. In fact, it wasn't until 1940 that Paul Johansson, who was the archivist in Tallinn, published a documented biography of Sittau and showed that he was the author of paintings that had been previously considered Netherlandish. In 1492, Sittau is recorded as being in Spain, where he was a court painter at the Isabel of Castile. So again, he goes from Tallinn to Bruges, and then from Bruges he goes to Spain. And I've put, we've put several cities because the court moved around. He's documented his, as his salary is coming from Burgos, Medina del Campo, Granada, and Barcelona, just to name a few cities. And I'd like at this juncture to digress into a brief discussion of travel, which is probably in the back of your minds. In the late Middle Ages and the Renaissance, people traveled more than you think. There are basically three ways to get somewhere on foot, on the back of a horse or a mule or a donkey, and on a ship. And on foot, a traveler could cover about 15 to 25 miles a day. Uh, and on horseback, this increased to 30 to 35 miles a day. And taking a boat on a river like the Rhine could get you 65 to 95 miles a day, and of course, even more on the open seas. However, a lot could go wrong. There were war, bandits, pestilence, bad weather, and so on. Pilgrimages to the Holy Land, uh, to Rome or to Santiago de Compostela, are a source of information about travel. Uh, I'll give you one example of a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Uh, a group left Mainz in Germany on April 25th, 1483, and it took them 15 days to reach Venice. And after seeing the sights, they sailed on June 1st and arrived at the end of the month at Jaffa, which is present-day Tel Aviv. And these tours were well-organized and have actually been called package tours. Uh, the group was met by Franciscan monks who acted as guides and did things like warning them against taking souvenirs and offending the natives by making graffiti. That sounds familiar, I hope. The return began on November 15th, but was seriously delayed by weather, and so they did not arrive back in Venice until January 15th uh, the following year, 1484. So travel is important. Let's return to Sitau in Spain, known as Isabella la Católica. Queen Isabella was extremely pious, and she commissioned from Sitau and Juan de Flandes a retablo, or altarpiece, for private devotion that consisted of scenes from the life of Christ and the life of the Virgin. Most of the pictures are by Juan de Flandes, who worked for Isabella from 1496 onward. And in the exhibition on the screen is Juan de Flandes' Temptation of Christ, which belongs to us, as told in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, after fasting for 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus was tempted by the devil, uh, who commanded him to turn a stone into bread and to throw himself off the building at the far right. You can see that up here. Uh, or uh, if you will simply worship the devil, he will be given all the kingdoms of the world, and that scene takes place up here. Uh, the devil appears to Jesus as a monk uh, with a rosary, but uh, things like the horns and the webbed feet <laughs> kind of give it away. <laughs> 
The most likely precedent for this composition is the same scene in a manuscript uh, from the breviary of Isabel of Castile. It's in the British Library of London. It was probably presented to Isabella on, in 1497 on the occasion of the double marriage of her children, Juan and Juana, to the children of Maximilian I. Uh, they are Margaret of Austria and Philip the Fair. They will refer to them later. It may seem obvious, but the borrowing implies that Sitow had access to manuscripts in Isabella's private devotional library. As far as we know, only two panels in the retablo are by Sitow. The Ascension of Christ and a private collection, and the Assumption of the Virgin, which belongs here in the National Gallery. Uh, they are extremely important since they are the only two securely documented pictures by Mikhail Sitow. Isabella died in 1504. And the following year, 47 panels from the altarpiece were put up for sale. Uh, the fact that they are listed separately and that certain scenes like the crucifixion and the resurrection were missing strongly suggests that the retablo was not finished at the time of her death. And 32 of these little pictures were purchased uh, for Margaret of Austria, who was regent of the Netherlands and entered her collection, and included were the temptation of Christ and the ascension and assumption. Uh, the two paintings by Sitow were framed together uh, and thus separate from the panels by Wanda Flandes. In the 1516 inventory of her collection, they are listed as in a leather-covered frame, and in the 1524 inventory, they are in a cypress wood frame uh, with silver clasps. They are described as from the hand of Michiel, that is Michiel, Michiel Sitow. Uh, Margaret, by the way, owns several works by Sitow, including a virgin reading a book with a sleeping child that she considered her favorite, Samignon. And as you can see, the ascension is obscured by dirt and varnish. But in the assumption, I think you get the full impact of Sitow's genius for color and light and atmosphere. And what one of my colleagues is called high fashion colors like tangerine and olive green. And then there's this wonderful light which appears in back of her, a kind of incipient coronation of the Virgin. And then the crescent, the crescent moon can allude to the immaculate conception of the Madonna, but it also refers to the, uh, to the imagery of uh, the book of Revelation. And then a really fine atmospheric landscape below. And this is, as you, when you see the show, you'll see this is something about the size of a picture postcard. <laughs> One of the intriguing questions about this portion of Sitow's career is just what are the possibilities that Mikhail Sitow and Wanda Flandes collaborated on a work of art? And in his essay in the catalog, Matthias Weiniger suggests that the baptism of Christ in a private collection in Madrid is the work of both artists. The painting is the center panel of an altarpiece done for the Carthusian Monastery of Miraflores in Burgos. Uh, 
And there are little panels that go around it that are in various other museums, in Zagreb and so on. Then this Christ appearing to his mother in the Metropolitan Museum of Art is a very precise copy of a Roger van der Weyden that was also in the Miraflores Monastery in Burgos. In fact, for a long time, they thought it was Roger. But the Met picture can be traced back to 1505 and to Isabella and the Capilla Real in Granada. And it's now attributed by the Metropolitan to Juan de Flandes but in the past it was given to both artists. Uh, dendrochronology, the study of wood biology, has shown that the same tree was used for both the Met picture and for other panels of the baptism of Christ altarpiece. In the exhibition, I would call your attention to this Coronation of the Virgin, which was lent by the Musée du Louvre. It has often been given to Sitow as well as to Juan de Flandes, and because of its small size associated with Isabella's retablo. But when you see the show, you'll see that it's just not the right size. It's a little too big. And while there are some similarities, uh, Weiniger and others, including me, think it is by a Netherlandish artist who is a distinct personality. Uh, it is, however, a very nice painting. As you can see, the throne is crystal. And again, you have a coronation against a bright sun, uh, sort of all, the whole thing taking place in the clouds. Following Isabella's death, uh, Sitow's exact whereabouts are not known. He may have spent some time in the Netherlands. What we do know is that by May or June of 1506, Sitow is back in Tallinn, where he joins the artist guilds and becomes a citizen. He remained in Tallinn until 1514, when he was summoned to Copenhagen to paint a portrait of King Christian II. Uh, the portrait of Christian in the exhibition comes to us from the Staatens Museum for Kunst in Copenhagen and is dated 1515, as you can see up here. The portrait demonstrates Sitow's technical mastery, uh, his ability convincing render a variety of textures, fur, metal, fabric, and so on. And a technical examination reveals something very interesting. Uh, the X-radiograph discloses a different portrait underneath. And this is almost certainly a portrait of Charles V uh, based on a model by Bernard Van Orley in Brussels. <laughs> And so uh, he's reusing the panel. And one possible explanation is that this is a replica painted by Sitow, uh, perhaps done for Margaret of Austria, who could have added it to her collection. Margaret's big on portraits. Uh, and if so, one wonders what happened to the original painted probably in Copenhagen for Christian. Uh, Christian's life was not a happy one. His career tragic. Uh, he was crowned king of Denmark and Norway in June of 1514, uh, married a month later by proxy to Isabella of Austria. This is the granddaughter of Maximilian I, Holy Roman Emperor, sister of Charles V. Uh, and another, you know, and it's possible that the portrait is related to the marriage, a wedding gift perhaps to Isabella. Uh, Christian did not get along with the Danish and the Norwegian nobility, and he was disposed by his uncle in 1523. He went into exile in the Netherlands and stayed there until 1531 when he attempted to reclaim the throne. This didn't work out. He was arrested and spent the rest of his life basically under uh, house arrest in Danish castles, 
dying in 1559. So, but since we're on the subject of Mikhail Sitow working at the Danish court, I'd like to say a, few, a little bit about what it meant to be a court artist in the Renaissance. One of the good things about life at court was proximity to the wealth and power of the ruler and those around him. It meant associating with intellectuals and humanists and um, obviously to be considered an equal, uh, not just a mere craftsman or an artisan. It's also artists for, possible for artists to hold a uh, trusted special position as close to the ruler to be almost a friend. And this is the case with Jan van Eyck who was sent by Philip the Good, Duke of Burgundy, to Lisbon in 1428 to accompany the ducal ambassadors and paint portraits of Philip's betrothed, Isabella of Portugal. The original paintings by Van Eyck are lost, and this is a copy in Dijon. And a major advantage of being at court was that the artist was free from guild regulations uh, and outside the reach of city government. The court artist had a lot of perks. Uh, as part of his, his employment by Ludovico Gonzaga, Andrea Mantegna was paid handsomely every month, given firewood, a horse, enough grain to feed six people, and free boat transportation. <laughs> uh, Ludovico also gave Mantegna enough land to build a house on. And so in 1476, he had this house built in Mantua. Uh, it's a, a sort of Albert, severe Albertian classicism, and I think is not too far from a church by Alberti. That's the good stuff. On the other hand, there were definite disadvantages to working at court. Perhaps the main one is that your time was not your own, and you were subject to the whims and the demands of the person you were working for. You were expected to paint coats of arms, flags, banners, create designs for tapestry, decorate carriages, or even horse collars, often on very short notice. Sometimes somebody important was coming to and you had to make a gift for them. Also, unless you were a Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci or a Rubens, you were slotted into the rigid social hierarchy of court life. And so you were seated with the musicians and the tailors and the barbers. Uh, there's a price for everything. Getting back to our topic, by 1515 or thereabouts, Sitow is back in the Netherlands and working for Margaret of Austria. Uh, the court was mainly in Brussels, and Margaret's palace was nearby in Mechelen. Uh, here's, yeah, we go back to our map. Here's Brussels. Mechelen is a little bit to the north. So, and the court was mainly in Brussels, but again, like any court, it moved around. He also worked for Margaret's nephew, Charles, the future Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. Uh, there's no documentation for a trip to England by Sitow. Uh, the portrait of Henry VII, which many of you know in National Portrait Gallery in London, is now thought to be by somebody else. There is, however, a possible English connection in this delightful portrait of a young woman in the Kunsthistorisches Museum. The portrait has been traditionally identified as Catherine of Aragon, who was first married to Prince Arthur and then Henry VIII, becoming the first of his many wives. However, a few years ago, a case was made that it might be Mary Rose Tudor, sister of Henry VIII. She was supposed to marry Charles V in 1514, and here's a detail of her necklace. So what it does, it alternates Tudor roses and the capital letter K for Carolus or Charles. 
Also, she was sometimes called a princess of Castile, and I don't know if there's any relevance to a small letter C that's on the bodice of her garment. The marriage did not take place. Henry was furious. Uh, Mary Rose went on to marry Louis XII of France. And if it is indeed Mary Rose raises the possibility that Sitow painted her portrait in England. Uh, I'm, uh, it's not easy to uh, read what's going on. I, we decided, I think Friday, that this is part of a very large headdress. There was look like the halo that starts here and goes around, but it's very it's kind of murky up there. So you can take a look. Another painting that is traditionally identified as Catherine of Aragon in the guise of Mary Magdalene comes to us from the Detroit Institute of Arts. Uh, even though she looks like nothing like the authentic depictions of Catherine, uh, Detroit asked us to keep the name on the label, and, and we did. <laughs> the picture is usually dated to about, we, you know, we, we're, we want to be friends. We, you know, we're nice, nice to lenders. Uh, the picture is usually dated to about 1515, and portraits of women as Mary Magdalene were popular in Northern Europe in the early 16th century. To show you one example, this is clearly, this is Margaret of Austria holding an ointment jar as the Mag Magdalene. This is in Schleisheim as part of the Bayerische Staatsgemäldesammlungen, or Bavarian State Collections. It may seem odd that a woman would want, women would want to identify themselves with a former prostitute who experienced a religious epiphany, but they did. Part of the phenomenon and the popularity has to do with Magdalene's proximity to Christ. The presence of the Magdalene at the crucifixion, uh, where she's the best dressed person, and the appearance of Christ to her in the garden after his resurrection. There's also a close relationship between Christ and Mary Magdalene as part of the Devotio Moderna, or a modern devotion, which is a religious movement that was widespread in the lone countries from the 14th century onward. As many of you have probably noticed, what seems to be the same woman appears in both Vienna and Detroit panels. And virtually the same woman is found in this Madonna and Child in Berlin. In particular, just take a look at that strand of hair, and, as well as the face. And both, uh, Sitow obviously was fond of this facial type. It's, I don't think it's the same person, but he may have had a model uh, painted or drawn one in his studio. The Berlin Madonna and Child is the left wing of a diptych. The right wing uh, most likely depicts Diego de Guevara, and together they are one of Sitow's finest achievements united for this exhibition. You may have seen them 10 years ago at a diptych show here. Uh, because she is more important than him, the Virgin is discernibly larger. And on the dexter, that is the heraldically right side, is what is our left, is in heraldry the right side. Um, nevertheless, do the two panels belong together, and they're united. When you put them together, you can see that the carpet is continuous from one to the other. There is a precedent in this, in Hans Memling, Neuenhove diptych of 1487, which is in the St. Jan's Hospital in Bruges, where again, uh, the fabric goes from one panel to the other. 
Although it is not absolutely certain, the sitter is usually identified as Diego de Guevara. He was a Spaniard who was in service at the Burgundian court, and when he died in 1520, it was noted that he had served for more than 40 years. Over the length of a distinguished career, he worked for Charles the Bold, Mary of Burgundy, and later Philip the Fair, Charles V, and he was sent on a number of diplomatic missions to Spain and to England. Uh, Diego de Guevara was also an art collector, and he is the first known owner of a picture I'm sure you know well, Jan van Eyck's portrait of a member of the Arnolfini family and his wife, which is in the National Gallery in London. He gave the painting to Margaret of Austria, and it went to Margaret's niece, Mary of Hungary, and then went with Mary to Spain. Uh, she died in 1558. The picture stayed in Spain until it was acquired by a Scottish soldier and brought to England in 1816. There was a thing which I don't know much about called the Peninsular Wars, 1814-15. Uh, anyway, the painting was exhibited in London in 1841 and then, of course, entered the National Gallery. Getting back to Diego, uh, in 1517, uh, Charles awarded Diego de Guevara a position as part of the Order of Calatrava. And you can see the cross of the order just above his finger. It looks like a fleur-de-lis. And the diptych is usually dated between 1515 and 1518. That is the time that, that Sitau is in the Netherlands. So it's possible that the cross was added sometime after that, or after the painting was completed. So it sort of sits on top of that. This is an, I find this an extraordinary portrait, both on its own and in relation to the other wing. The gesture of homage and devotion doesn't really make sense, total sense, until the Madonna, unless the Madonna and child is next to him. Uh, two things I think are particularly striking. One is his expression, which is at once pensive and bordering on melancholy. There's a depth of humanity there that I don't know, uh, that I've never seen elsewhere in Netherlandish portraiture. The other is just skill, particularly things like the fur collar, which I think is Lynx, but the, the ability to turn, the, you know, how he paints that turning the corner is phenomenal. Uh, one of the things that may be significant I'm thinking about is the button, which is the th has a thistle on it. And I haven't, I haven't figured this out totally, but one suggestion is that it relates to the passion of Christ. The Christ child is holding a thistle, or excuse me, a goldfinch, and goldfinches relate to the soul and also to the passion of Christ. European goldfinches have a little spot of red on them. and. Uh, Goldfinches love thistles. <laughs> they also love black-eyed Susans, we can tell you, but no symbolism there. Uh, but the awareness of Christ's future death may also affect Diego's expression. There's also an obtuse Burgundian connection. Thistles appear on a wall decoration in a late 14th century chateau of Germol, uh, in, uh, in France, uh, flanked by the initials of Duke Philip the Bold and his wife, Marguerite of Flanders. So something, things to think about. In addition to Memling, there are two other Netherlandish artists we need to look at in connection 
with Sitow. Jan Hossart, who was born about 1478, died 1532, is almost an exact contemporary. And like him, he was primarily a court artist. He worked for Philip of Burgundy, one of Philip the Good's many illegitimate children, and Philip's half-brother, Adolf. Uh, he also worked for Margaret of Austria and Christian II. And for the exhibition, we have borrowed from the Kunsthistorische Museum the painting you see on the screen, a very fine portrait of a man that dates about 1520, 1525. And it's here to provide you with a kind of Netherlandish context for portraiture and gives you an idea of what Sittau might have seen. It's usually assumed that Sittau was influenced by Hussard, but my colleague Matthias Weiniger believes that at least in one instance, it works the other way. And so Hussard's diptych of 1517, which is in the Louvre, shows the cleric Jean Caron Lollet uh, adoring the Madonna and child. Uh, the crossed legs of the Christ child uh, could, could come from the Madonna and Child. Also, this is a Madonna and Child by Hussard on long-term loan to the National Gallery of London, and that gesture of touching the Madonna's chin also could come from Sitow. Also, further, Mikhail Sitow was very much aware of Hugo van der Goes, uh, who was active in Ghent and died in 1482. In the exhibition, the National Trust has lent us this night nativity, which belongs to Upton House, and is one of several versions of the subject attributed to Mikhail Sitow. The literary source for the image comes from the writings of the 14th century mystic, St. Bridget of Sweden. In her description of Christ's birth, which takes place at midnight in Bethlehem, the divine remnant radiance emanates from the Christ child and eclipses the, the candle held by Joseph. Where's Joseph? Well, he is over here in the dark. This is a painting that needs cleaning. However, uh, and there are two nocturnal nativities by Hugo that are preserved in other versions, uh, such as this painting by Gerard David which in the Kunsthistorisches Museum, and as you can see, Joseph is over here, and the, the radiance, the divine splendor that emanates from the Christ child is such that it causes Joseph to cover the candle. And there are any number of versions of this by Netherlandish and German artists. If you are a court artist, it is expected that you paint portraits. They're an essential component of the celebration of the individual that we call the Renaissance. And Sitow is a superb portraitist. Uh, consider this example of a portrait of a man. It's from the Mauritz House in The Hague. He's dressed with a kind of severe elegance. I think he's a member of the patrician upper class. And there's a very wonderful, lean, taut face there. There's also a great sensitivity, the ability to capture light effects. And I can't explain the dirt under the fingernails but it's just deal with it. <laughs> also note the illusionistic device of the hands seeming to rest on the frame of their or ledge. Then take a look at the memling which hangs right next to it. 
Uh, a dendrochronological examination of the oak panel suggests a date after 1506, which is when Zittau returned to Tallinn. And this picture comes from an Estonian family who lived in Tartu, it's Estonia's second largest city. And perhaps it's not too much to suggest that the sitter is Estonian. I will quickly show you three more portraits from the exhibition, and not everybody agrees that they are by Sitow himself, but they are certainly very close, and you can go and look and decide for yourselves. This is a man with a pearl in the royal collection of the Palacio Real in Madrid. Uh, the pearl is hanging from a fleur-de-lis up here. And it's been suggested that this is Odette de Foix, the Vicomte de Lautrec. Uh, there's a full-length portrait in Madrid, uh, which may be the source of this, but the identification of the sitter is far from certain. A man with a rosary, a private collection, and you can ask yourself whether that fur collar is as superb as Diego's fur collar. And then one of my favorites is a man with a book who is a young man. He's sort of in the process of being formed as an individual. He's trying to grow a beard and looking very hopeful and expectant about something. I will conclude with a few words about an altarpiece that has been in Tallinn since the early 16th century. Uh, these are the interior panels of the crucifixion on the center. Uh, Christ carrying the cross, and then a lamentation on the wings. Uh, the style of the altarpiece points to Bruges around 1515 and to Gerard David, uh, the names of people in his orbit, Albert, uh, excuse me, Adrian Isenbrand or Albert Cornelis have been put forward. The altarpiece was in the Church of St. Catherine, Tallinn, but after 1524, it was moved to the Church of St. Nicholas, which is Nigolisti in Estonian. And that church became the Nigolisti Museum, where the altarpiece still resides. It was conserved in 2015-16 in preparation for the exhibition. And as you can see, there were several donor portraits that were added. The, this costume is later than what they're wearing. And the exteriors were painted over. And that's what is in the exhibition. Uh, the coats of arms of Van Greest and Van der Lippe were added when they took over the altarpiece. They got married sometime after 1514. And the two families put, their, uh, put the painting in their family chapel. Uh, on the left wing is St. James the Great and the Virgin and Child. And on the right is St. Adrian and St. Anthony and their attributes, a lion and a pig uh, against gluttony. With pigs wearing a bell, by the way. Uh, Adrian I don't know much about. He is a patron saint of soldiers. He was a soldier. Butchers and believe it or not, arms dealers. <laughs> Uh, and these saints were painted directly over the underlying figures with no intermediate layer or ground, and so it is not easy to read. And from 1940 on, the paintings have been attributed to Mikhail Sitow with varying degrees of acceptance or certainty. The quality of execution is uneven, and the particip participation of Sitow's workshop has been put forward as an explanation for this. Uh, to round up, in 1518, Mikhail Sitow returned to Tallinn. 
He married the daughter of a merchant and held high positions in the guild of St. Canute, and becoming, in fact, an alderman in the guild, which is about the best you could do within that social rank uh, or for, as an artisan. He did that in 1523. The exterior wings of the Passion altarpiece are late works, pa painted around 1520, uh, and Sitow died in late December of 1525. Mikhail Sitow, Estonian painter at the courts of Renaissance Europe, closes here on the 13th of May. It opens on the 8th of June in Tallinn at the Kumu Art Museum and runs until 16 September. I recommend a visit. This is Old Town. This is my iPhone photo. Old Town is filled with 15th and 16th century paintings, or buildings, excuse me. And this is a better view. Sitow's house is in here somewhere. So with that, I thank you for your attention. Thank you. This has been a National Gallery of Art podcast.